All right, yeah, so my kids just got home from school, so I'm just getting them settled in. Yeah, school, that's like a weird concept. It doesn't even, it didn't even occur to me that your kids would be in school because we've hardly done any homeschool this week. It's been crazy. And Kyle has been home from school, so it kind of feels like a holiday except with catastrophic flooding. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been an yeah. interesting week. I was watching some of that video. I saved it because I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll probably, Levi will want to see some of this too because it'll Mm -hmm. be interesting for him. So I was like, oh, I won't watch all of it that way. I'm not watching it twice, but wow, it's impressive. It's crazy. Like it's, it's so like this, I feel like this is the kind of stuff that's going on here right now that I have watched on the news happening in other places that Mm -hmm. I just, you just don't expect it which is naive, right? But you just don't expect it to happen at your home. Yeah. I think it's that way with everything, you know, anything catastrophic. It's like always yeah. somewhere far away. And then when it happens, it's unexpected. Totally. And like we fared pretty well, like at home, like we just had a flooded crawl space and a flooded driveway, which the kids loved because they could boat around. Um, but yeah, I just really feel for, especially the farmers, like I – the farmers that are really in the thick of it, mm-hmm. losing animals and, oh my goodness, losing homes and property. It's devastating. Like I just, it really bugs me. I just really feel for them. Yeah. So for those who don't know, which is probably a lot of you, because they're probably not really talking about this in the US or in other countries, but in Canada here in BC, we had like record rainfall. It was absolutely crazy. I don't even know how much fell in like a 24 hour period, probably like 174. That sounds right to me, 150 to 200 millimeters anyway, like a lot of rain and it caused flooding and it caused mudslides basically throughout the, throughout a lot of the province. There's like a the town of Merritt has been completely evacuated. Um, our town is kind of, our town and the town next to it have kind of become an island because we can't access the highways going either way right now. And um, Abbotsford, which is a city really close by, it's a city that we frequent very often, part of it is, I guess it used to be a lake. I didn't even know that. (laughs) Like I had no idea until this flooding happened. It used to be a lake. And about a hundred years ago, they pumped it out and created farmland there. And they've just been constantly pumping the water. And apparently the amount of water that this pump station pumps to keep that lake from reforming is like the size of an Olympic swimming pool every minute is how much it pumps in order to keep the land dry. And so I guess there's water pouring in from the Nooksack River, which is in Washington. And yeah, it's it's really bad. Farm There's about 1,700 farms just in that 90 square kilometer area. And they are, they're losing properties, losing animals. And it's been terrible. We've had no school here for a week. Everything is closed. There's no food on the shelves. Although I did go to the store today and there was produce, but still no dairy or anything. So it's definitely like nothing I've ever experienced before. It was pretty impressive that I think you sent me a post from Instagram yesterday maybe. And the – oh my gosh, can you hear that? I don't know what the kids are doing upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) I just said, no stomping. (laughs) Well, I guess (laughs) dropping a chair or something is acceptable because I didn't 
clarify that part. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, the one you sent, there was pictures of Holstein cows being, they, they were on halters and they were trying to get them out with like jet skis to like pull them out of the water to safety. And the water was up to the back of these Holstein cows and Holsteins are tall. They're really tall animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like these are like national geographic type images that are coming out of our Valley right now. Um, so yeah, farmers have just been working around the clock trying to save their animals. And I don't think they know the numbers of those who have perished already, but it's like over a thousand. I'm talking animals, not people. But yeah, there were also people stranded on the highways for days and evacuee centers like in our town and surrounding towns. So yeah, it's it's been nuts. But yeah, the farmers, like they were using jet skis and boats. And I saw a picture yesterday of like this boat that had like five calves in it on what used to be land, just trying to get these animals to safety. So it's been crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. like 50% of the egg production, I think just for our province, I don't know about the whole country, but I think just for our province comes from that area. So people are really having a hard time finding milk and eggs. Farmers were having to dump their milk because milk trucks couldn't come. Like it was, yeah, it's intense. Yeah, which is like we talked about the other day, there's so many lessons to be learned just in everyday life right now and events Mm -hmm. and just like these things that are happening, we need to learn the lessons for it. Potentially it's God giving us an opportunity to, you know, learn for the future, you know, the preparedness that should be taking place ahead of time or could be taking place ahead of time, you know, before things potentially worse even happen. For sure. And like, we're still in the very middle of this, but I do hope that people do start thinking like, you know, this, just this summer we had, I'm using the word catastrophic a lot, but it's been a catastrophic year. Like Mm -hmm. the fires we had in our province were also catastrophic. And um, now we've had this flood and, you know, it's just, it's just proof that life is going to happen and disasters do happen. And, I really hope that we take the opportunity to learn that we do need to be prepared. Very, very good timing last week with Amber's episode coming out mm-hmm. on kind of the piece of preparedness. But mm-hmm. we we have empty gas stations here. Like I went out to town today to grab a couple things and literally gas stations are just saying they're closed. They're like taped off. The, the prices are off the, what do you call it? Those stands where they always show the gas price. I can't think of what they're called, but. Yeah. You know, people panicked. They ran to get gas. They emptied milk off the store shelves. There was fights in grocery stores. And it's like, we're literally living day by day with our food supply. And it it's not wise because even when you think of the fact that just that small area of BC that is still not out of the woods provides just so much of the eggs and dairy you know, if that, if something were to go wrong and all of that were to be eliminated, people wouldn't know how to take care of themselves Mm -hmm. or how to get the food that they need for their family. So for me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fairly prepared person. We have a lot of meat in our freezer. We have a generator, we have, um, vegetables set up from the summer. Like we have food and we're doing really well, but even for me, it's like a major wake up call for just the way of life that we have um, in general in Canada and the U.S. and in many other Western countries where 
Everything has just been comfortable and easy and available, but that's not good when it causes us to not be able to um, handle when an emergency does happen. Yeah. It's just like control the food supply, control water supply. And if people are reliant and unable to cope without a modern Mm -hmm. energy source that could be cut off, you're completely reliant on a system that you have no control over, you know? Which is a very scary thought. Yeah. uh, People majorly are dependent on someone Mm -hmm. else to care for them, honestly. Like you may not think, you may think that you're caring for yourself, but with those three things controlled outside of your home completely, um, that's that's a pretty scary thing if you think about it. And I'm not trying to be like fear-mongering, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like, hey, maybe (laughs) – Think about yeah. learning a few skills or um, yes. starting to prepare just a little bit just and in case. And it's also just life-giving to be able yeah. to know that you have those skills. Like that's something yeah. Amber had said was that, you know, there's this peace that we get mm-hmm. and this weightness that you get when you know that you're prepared and that you can take care of yourself. Like that weight is off your shoulders and it really is a weight. So I yeah. don't know. I just think it's important. And like she said too, it's not this selfish thing. It doesn't have to be the selfish thing. It's the fact that you have a skill, you have um, Mm -hmm. the ability and the forethought to think of these things that maybe you will Mm -hmm. be able to, you know, be in a position to help someone else too. So that's a really good thing also. Yeah. I mean, if you're always thinking of like, how can me and my family survive? Like we don't have enough to survive. It's very difficult to serve others. But when you are prepared and you're able to care for yourself and your family, it makes it much easier to to look outside as well to help others yeah. and to be of service. Yep. For yeah. sure. Yeah. So that's our crazy, crazy week here. It's crazy in general. <laughs> like the world I know. is oh. nuts. The world is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We were talking this morning and I was just, I told Cecily, I was like, I just feel like people are really unhinged right now and (laughs) things are kind of nuts. I don't know. Oh, I totally agree. Everything feels, I mean, I I would say untethered is the word that comes to mind. Like everything Mm -hmm. feels untethered and, um, yeah, I guess what Rita and I were saying this morning is like the world needs Jesus. I, I really believe that's the only thing that's an anchor that can, you know, keep us tethered because right now the world is untethered and yeah. Yeah. We were talking about like grandparents' generation and older generations and wondering mm-hmm. if they felt similar, you know, going mm-hmm. through obviously hard times as well, different hard sure. times, but hard times and wondering if they ever felt the amount of uncertainty mm-hmm. that we do and my answer in my own head initially is yes, Mm -hmm. they probably felt that, but maybe not to the degree of hopelessness that I think people feel right now. And I think it's just the lack of moral foundation that Mm -hmm. causes that difference between the generational uh, experience of uncertain times. Yeah, I definitely think that's one thing. I think the polarization now is also quite interesting. And um what magnifies all of this too is just the fact that we know what's going on mm-hmm. all throughout the world. You know, like yeah. never before has everyone had the information available for everything that's going on in the world yeah, that's all a at really once. Good point. And it's very overwhelming. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And then the polarization, though, it does come from the lack of moral unity, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Regardless of regardless of religion, Mm -hmm. moral unity, the foundational morals can be similar. Right. And I think that that moral unity is lacking regardless of religion or denomination or whatever. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. And another thing that's kind of been crazy this week is. Rita, is that just in your state, that whole, the nursing license thing? I forget what it was called, but, or is that throughout the U.S.? No, this is the licensing board. Hang on. I'll get the acronym messed up. So I'm going to tell you really quick, right, instead of saying it wrong. Right. (laughs) Um, Okay. So the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, NCSBN. I don't know why those letters all seem like, there's no like, Val in there. I guess that's why um, it's <laughs> hard to, do you know what I mean? It doesn't separate <laughs> yeah. itself at all. I'm like, wait, is this the right acronym? But anyways, they're kind of a body that works with regulatory bodies of each state. So mm-hmm. nursing licensures are kind of controlled, um, not controlled by them. That's through the states themselves, but they put out information and work with the states to help them regulate nursing licenses. And so they put out this PDF, and I won't read the whole thing, but basically they're telling you that um, if you identify yourself as a nurse, you are professionally accountable for the information you provide to the public. And if you violate the Nurse Practice Act of your state, which Mm -hmm. is interesting because if you look up the Nurse Practice Act of our state, some of the things that the Nurse Practice Act says, you could find information on, I I hate saying sides, but it seems like sides Mm -hmm. of the issue right now. You could say each side is violating that, right? Um, Right. But anyway, they basically just say any dissemination of misinformation or what they consider misinformation um, is potential for like they don't say taking your license, but they say disciplinary action, which disciplinary action leads to revoking your license. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, pretty interesting stuff. And it's just, and yeah. they specifically say including social media and mm-hmm. they don't even say like you, there's any disclosure you could say. It's just basically if you identify yourself as a nurse of any kind and you are talking about COVID or vaccines, you have to be saying what the CDC and FDA have said, or mm. you're in disciplinary action. And the interesting thing is some of the things are most, I was thinking today about it, actually. I was like, everything I say is information straight from the hospital and information mm. straight from the CDC and FDA combined yes, with my opinion. Yeah. You know what I you mean? Considered misinformation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, um, so my hospital COVID numbers came out this uh, Thursday. So the hikes mm-hmm. email comes out every Thursday. And I was sent a picture of the email. 47 staff members out with COVID. But this week, they didn't delineate the number who are vaccinated and unvaccinated. And I so I asked, that would be is someone going to clarify that? Because I was guessing it was kind of, you know, not the information they wanted to provide. So guess how many? Yeah. They did. Somebody did clarify and ask for the information. Oh. They gave it to them. Really? Guess how many? 33. 33 30 vaccinated. 47. Out of 47. So 70%. 
Yeah. Well, that's why they stopped publishing that information. Uh (laughs) So it's been 70% one week, like I think three weeks ago or four weeks ago, Mm -hmm. but it was a much lower number. It wasn't 33. And I feel like that's a significant amount to like type out in an email. But yeah. And again, I want to be clear, like I'm not celebrating this at all. Like this isn't a celebration of like, oh, look at these vaccinated nurses getting COVID. Like, no. no. It's just, hey, look at this. This is evidence that this should be a choice. And the methods you're choosing for mitigation are not for mitigation. They're strictly for disciplinary action because you don't agree with our choice, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Like, I just have such a problem with falsehood. Like, I really have a Mm -hmm. problem with falsehood in any way, shape, or form. Yep. Um, And going back to that, NCSBN thing? Is it NCSBN? Yeah. Yep. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Going back it. to that, like to say that um, you can't say anything outside of what the CDC or FDA deems correct. I mean, when you think back on scientific history and some of the things that used to be deemed incorrect, and they actually put scientists like in mental institutions because they thought they were crazy and then were later proved correct. If we always employed that sort of, those sorts of measures, we would not be where we are today scientifically. So it's really scary to just have to take what these agencies say as biblical, almost in a sense, right? As like Mm -hmm. totally inerrant when we know that that's not how science should operate. Science should operate with an open mind. Science should be trying to prove itself wrong so that it can get better. And yeah, so to completely shut down discussion and to threaten the licenses um, of people in the medical profession is super scary. And it makes me think of the book 1984 all over again, Like what the party says is true is true, even if it's completely false. Like I think the example they used in 1984 all the time was two plus two equals five, you know, and the main character was struggling with this. Like he's like, no, like it equals four, right? And they just kept at it until he truly believed that two plus two equaled five. Like what the party says is true Mm -hmm. must be true no matter what. And I'm not saying we're living in 1984, but I just think there's a lot to be learned from looking back at the way we've treated scientists through history that have had groundbreaking ideas and crazy ideas too. But the thing is, the ideas need to be examined and people need to be able to say what makes sense. Otherwise, we're not even humans anymore. We're robots. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I know the other day when I was kind of like thinking about this to post about it and share the information with people, I was just, what kept coming to mind is the science, not science, the science is God and the CDC and FDA or your church, you know, essentially. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's kind of mind blowing. And like you said, it, it is silencing opinions is anti-science. That is the opposite of the definition of science. Science should be a culmination of as many opinions as you can get in, you know, sorting through them, arguing about it, figuring things out, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just blows my mind how many people are just like, trust the science. Well, first of all, yeah. 
science and or the medicine. Somebody said, don't you trust medicine? I'm like, no, today I said, absolutely not. There should be very little trust involved in medicine. It should be, Absolutely. you know, what should be involved is risk benefit analysis in medicine, yeah. not trust. Yes. <laughs> so, <sighs> yeah, that's so true. And I don't know if it's what the number is, but cause, um, death from medical errors is one of the leading causes of death. Mm-hmm. So, if not the leading. So, it's just you can trust your practitioner and work with them. But to have this blind faith is mm -mm, not a good idea because we're dealing with humans and, you know, humans make mistakes and that's just the way it is. So anyway. Yeah. If medicine were infallible, you wouldn't see lawsuit commercials for every medication, you know, or a medication every time you turn on the TV. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we were not intending to make this a full episode on its own. We were totally planning another topic today. But I don't know. I feel like it's gotten long enough that we will just cut it off here and make this a bonus episode. And we will then start recording our next episode that we'll release regularly on Monday. So Thank you for listening to the Boom Clap podcast. If you want to find us outside the podcast, you can find me, Cecily, on Instagram at cecily.dickey or on my website, thegracetogrow.com. And you can find Rita on Instagram at Rita Rogers Co. or on her website, ritarogersco.com. Thanks for listening.